Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? Pretty good. I'm, uh, I've officially had an appointment to get my COVID vaccine. Oh, fantastic. Good the news. First one. Good news. Yeah, I'm extremely pleased about it. I'm going to, this Sunday, I'm going to get my first COVID vaccine. So it turns out there are some positive points to having asthma. <laughs> means you get, you know, vaccines before <laughs> before some other people. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. That's, that's, you know, made me feel slightly more hopeful for the future. No, that's good. It's good news, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, you know, the same. <laughs> I feel like at this point, doing? I'm probably like, I'm going to be like the last person that I know like to get it. Despite the fact that like me and my wife have been shielding for like the past like exactly yeah by the time this comes out like, <laughs> she's on like she was on like the NHS priority list and everything and yeah we we haven't, sure we haven't yeah no we haven't had a vaccine at all like, like at all no notification saying we can book one yet or anything despite well, the fact yeah, like, got, like just, pretty much everybody else in our family has <laughs> well, I just got I just got a text on uh, Monday night nice saying book your COVID vaccine I was like I will thank you <laughs> so jealous <laughs> yeah right I'm I'm extremely jealous about it yeah I think at, at this point, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm fine. I think really, just mm-hmm. same as always. Uh, said it'll be a, a year tomorrow since uh, since uh, I, since I started working at home and staying at home. Uh, so that's <sighs> kind of flown by, and also has been the longest time ever. I'm very much ready for yeah. it to be over, and if uh, you know if that means Bill Gates has to put a microchip in my arm to give me my freedom back, oh, just just give me give me. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm really excited for, you know, after Sunday when I receive my vaccine for Bill Gates to track me moving from my house to work to my house again. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, all the while with my phone in my pocket being on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> Completely anonymous and unable to track. <laughs> it's only if they put a chip in my arm that there's a real problem. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, oh. it's, it's some, some finally some reasonable good news. It's good, definitely. Like, it feels like the the actual end to all of this is is tangible, definitely. That's well, good. well, definitely, everything's going to be back to normal by June the 21st, so we don't to talk about. <laughs> it's clearly in sight. It's definitely going to happen then. I hope Nothing bad's going to happen. I hope I've had my first vaccine by then. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's, there's no way that, you know, the schools going back this week is going to have any ill effects on the number of cases or deaths or hospitalizations. Yeah. It's all going to be fine. Right? <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully we'll get to play Magic in person at some point this this year. I'm, I'm feeling optimistic about it, but time marches on, doesn't it? And and much like, I guess much like time, we this is a fucking awful segue. <laughs> much like like time, keep going, keep going. We, we have we have the rest of Time Spiral remastered to talk about. That's, that was truly horrendous. What it, it was, yeah. I I started saying something and then it was like, don't know where I'm going with the well, I mean, I know where I'm going, I know where the destination is, but I'm sort of lost around the middle here. But that was uh, See, the... <laughs> it's pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. But the we joy got... of recording this is that you'll get to edit that bit out if you find it too embarrassing to listen to. Or if I can bother to edit it out. <laughs> but then I've talked all over it and made reference to it, so you'll have to keep it in there. Hell yeah. <laughs> Cool. So it, yeah, it's it's been a, I guess almost a full week at this point, but uh, since we we got the full reveal of of Time Spiral remastered, so we got to see all the cool cards in the set that we knew about already because it is a remastered set. But then we also got all of the time shifted cards, and there's some bangers, right? Yeah, we also got some calls correct. Yeah. You called Young Pyromancer. That's in there. Yeah. I called Swiss Spear. That's yeah. in there. I said Rift Bolt like an idiot. You take it because it was in Time Spiral. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, get... Rift Bolt is in the set, right? Yeah, it's in the set, but it's not an old border card. Yeah. We did get uh, Lava Spike. That was yep. called oh, Lava Spike. That's cool. We didn't get Green Sun Zenith, and I'm immeasurably sad. Uh, we did get Elvish Mystic, which is nice. So now your Elvish Mystics can match your Lana Elves, I suppose. Yeah. Um, we got Past and we... Flames, which I'm, I'm very happy about calling yeah. that one because uh, it looks incredible. I'm definitely going to need one of those. I just love it with a little grave, like the little tombstone as well for the the graveyard shenanigans. It's yeah, amazing. I mean, seeing like Stinkweed with a graveyard, like a tombstone next to it, is very very good. Yeah. Um, we got Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah. And based on pre-order prices, I'm not going to buy any. <laughs> <laughs> pre-order prices are completely absurd, which it, which is understandable because you know you get one per pack and 
yada 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 it's a premium product yeah and we know that there's going to be one foil per, per 27 packs so you're going to get one foil per box uh what, what are the chances that you're going to get like a foil of like any of the cards that you want like foil prices are going yeah. to be absurd and i i think that's fantastic i really really yeah. like that i think it's it's good it's good to have like actual cool chase rare things and and just have a system that where like you you can just open a ton of product and it's not gonna not gonna really devalue them it feels very much like expeditions did when they first came out yeah it's not gonna feel like you know the fact that an extended art foil Jake's mirror mage from Zendikar Rising is about two pound fifty. Yeah, <laughs> I think one of the planeswalkers a mythic in the set in extended special art foil is worth nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have that sort of, I guess, premium aspect back to premium products. Like you actually get something special. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah. Like it's it's that that it's the actual excitement thing. Like this is this is the actual uh, booster phone is opening a booster and, and actually opening something rare and exciting, not just like, like you said, like, oh, this this foil alternative art, full art, Planeswalker, printed only in, you know, in, in one language, but uh, because so much product and so much different types of product is opened, it's now worth, like, two pounds. It's good to... Worth do, nothing. Yeah, yep. it's good to get, like, some actual chase rares and some actual... Yeah, just just actual rare cards. I think that that's that's the thing that I feel like Magic has been missing for the longest time. Like, rare cards don't really exist anymore and haven't really existed since yeah. Expeditions. Yeah, well, you think about the well, term I guess rare. the Masterpiece series, not just Expeditions. But yeah. Yeah, but like the term rare doesn't really mean rare anymore, oh, especially no. as someone who's part of you know it's part of my job to open product. You open enough product, you just open everything. Yeah. It becomes less exciting. If you're just opening a case of a set, you're going to get every rare, right? It's not rare. So to actually have something that's that's difficult to get is exciting. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, actually makes it worthwhile. Um, and I think they crunched the numbers, and apparently you'd have to open $11,000 worth of product before you get one specific foil in Old Border. Wow. So that actually, you know, creates a premium. Like, if you yeah. want to foil Old Border Pondo... You on average would have to open eleven thousand dollars worth of product, <laughs> um, so the price on that's going to be very high, which yeah. is which is like you said, good because it actually incentivizes people to open product and get a special thing. Yeah, definitely. Nice. And it it's that thing where like yes, it is. It's a it's an actual way to I hate the term, but like quote unquote like pimp your deck with like rare foils because there's so many so many different products with so many different foils and and things these days that it like I feel like it's very very difficult to to do something like that like I remember you know years ago you would go to you'd go to a GP and you'd you'd see somebody oh they've got like an all foil legacy deck apart from like the lands and it's like that would be cool that would be like a fantastic thing to see really rare thing to see like very rarely would you see all of those foil cards together in one room but now it's like every card that comes out it's like five different foils and like I always say on the show, like if everything special isn't nothing special, but these cards, especially in foil, are going to be like actually special chase cards. What's unfortunate is they'll probably make your deck illegal in a sanction tournament because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're definitely going to curl up and oh, be probably. sort of unplayable in the sleeve. Yeah, I really um, hope not. Yeah, I mean, I only want one foil, and it'll be a Yorkmoth, which I imagine will be absurdly expensive. Yeah, but I'm not going to recommend the decks. It's fine. Quite probably, but I, I think what what's your what's your take on overall card quality in terms of, of, of the individual cards and the, the time shifted slot? It got a bit weird towards the end there. Yeah, <laughs> it got a bit peculiar because we were saying you know when we recorded we just knew the uh, white, blue, and black cards, right? Yeah, yeah. We didn't know the red or green, multicolored lands, artifacts, um, and they were all bangers, right? Even if they weren't valuable, it's weird because I think Ponder is pre-selling for the most currently. <laughs> um, because you, you need four of them. Yeah. Um, and we were saying how they're all really good, even if they're not chase cards. Like They're still really cool, and we've got stuff like Monastery Fistbear and Lava Spike, which aren't like, you know, we said people complaining about oh, why does um, you know, the Urzalans or Expedition Map get a full art special treatment yeah. in Double Masters? So because they're played cards, so they're still, they still have a, a large premium on them. Uh, so I was excited about that, and then we got like 
Ancient Den. Just Ancient Den, not yeah. the rest of the Outlands, just one. The land cycle's really bizarre. Yeah, we got Mystic Sanctuary, which is cool, because obviously that's the best one, and it's unfortunate that this set was meant to be released before they got banned. Yeah. Um, but that makes sense, because that's you know that doesn't have to be part of the cycle, because the rest of the cycle is bad, in terms of competitive play. So Mystic Sanctuary is kind of it. But, like, and, and Ramming Up Ruins, I guess, kind of makes sense, because it's it's the best one of that cycle that actually sees some play still. Yeah, Paducah Bog, um, we'll take that too. Yeah, but like Ancient Den is a weird choice, because they're not thinking of a better white land. Yeah. Like, Sejiri Step would have been... I guess you can't, because that's in the same cycle as Bajukabog. Apparently that's the arbitrary rule to set them <laughs> And you can't, you know... Um, can we have had a rare land in that slot? Like, Windbrush Heights or something? Yeah, potentially. Would, would yeah. that have, have been cooler? Castle, um, Castle Ardenvale? Is it Ardenvale? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that would be cool. Uh, yeah, and uh, I guess there had to be a common land, and there aren't many good white common lands, but... Doesn't have to be. Out... Ramming Up Ruins was an uncommon. Oh, that's true. Yeah, exactly. So they could have just done a rare one. Um, so that was a bit weird. Uh, Rakdos Charm was extremely weird. Yeah. Because who the fuck plays Rakdos Charm? I Ever. did at my first FNM uh, with my yeah, exactly. <laughs> most of my deck that wasn't legal, but I did win. Yeah. A, I did win a game with Rakdos Charm because yeah. <laughs> my opponent like was on low enough life, and they they comboed off, and I cast Rakdos Charm, and they died. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like it's occasionally like really niche tech yeah. for when like Splinter Twin was legal. <laughs> so you just Rakdos Charm them. Like it's not great i don't really understand its inclusion in the some of the artifacts are a bit odd um but i think overall like they've they've picked some some good ones right like absolutely yeah i i think like given given what could have been like again if you compare it to stuff like like your box toppers and, and things i think like given what could have been this this is absolutely fantastic and i'd much rather that it was filled with you know niche borderline playable commander cards than just like junk that it could have been like it could have been quite similar to uh, like the original time spiral and they could have just been like oh here's this this common from arabian nights that nobody's ever played ever outside of i don't know some bizarre local old school format uh, <laughs> i mean i do think it's a little bit like when it gets to the when it gets just like specifically the multicolor cards it gets a bit strange because we go through like all of the monocolor cards, like C play in some kind of format. Yeah. Um, or like you know, so you got you thought C's Sylvan Scrying, Ancient Stirrings, Lingering Souls, uh, Evolutionary. It was a bit of a weird one because I don't think anyone plays that in any format. Uh, Flicker Wisp, Read the Bones, Mold Drifter, Beast Within, Past and Flames, Harvester of Souls is a little bit weird, but it's kind of an okay card. Labman, Remand, Farseek. You know, you got all these like playable. Most of them are pretty pretty playable. Yeah. And C play in some kind of constructed six card format. Um, and then you get like secret plans. <laughs> so yeah, do, do p- people who play secret plans in their you know Kadena EDH deck or the Randomite EDH deck really want an old border version of that card? Is that is that a market we're trying to appeal to? Rakdos Charm is that Teamer Ascendancy? Is that the card people really needed? Yeah, Arcadia's t- the strategist because when you compare it to the other uh, old border gold card, you got Lavinia, which is you know not not so much a vintage staple anymore but it still sees a lot of uh, yeah I'd say, say Lavinia is a, a vintage staple definitely okay definitely. sweet so it, it definitely sees play she's a Liberate Elf permanently a sideboard card but yeah Lavinia's there good yeah Casali Pride Mage definitely sees so see some play in places yeah exactly Pist Amalgam is just class it's like yeah. that's going to be worth a decent amount of money as well yeah and yeah there's a few like popular commanders obviously stuff like Feather and Arcades yeah. I, Team of Ascendancy is an odd one to me yeah, I don't understand why that's there. Why if it had been Jeskai Ascendancy, that would have been sick. It would have been perfect, yeah, it would have made sense. <laughs> but we, but got, like, we got Team Ascendancy. Like, even then, like, I'm sure I'm sure you can play Team Ascendancy in in your Omnath deck or whatever, like your Omnath Commander deck or whatever whatever yeah. those colour commander like you're playing. Which yeah. is which is much better than I don't know, could have been like Curd Ape or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean and then we got uh, leveler, yep. which I don't understand at all. Who's playing leveler outside of the weird combo, stupid modern deck that has evolved over the last like month or so? Yeah, so it definitely I, wasn't on anyone's radars when this set was printed. <laughs> that's it. I think I think they got a bit lucky with that one in that sense. I guess maybe maybe I don't know. I was thinking, oh, maybe this is like a plant for them reprinting this in the future at some point, and they were thinking like, oh well, um, inverter inverter still legal. And we're gonna ban Inverter, and we can put this in. I, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. 
And then Archer which I don't think anyone had ever seen anyone play in a Commander deck ever. No, I played it in Standard back in the day. Yeah, exactly, I played standard. it in Standard, but... I've but played like, it. I've played it in, in in like a historic deck as well, but I don't know. It's fine. Like it, and contagion clasp. I didn't understand contagion clasp either, but and not contagion engine because rarity clearly doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, in no. terms of because the, these are all as rare as each other, and they all have the same rarity to open the booster. Like if you had the chance to open up a, a foil foil season, instead you open a foil contagion clasp, you'd be pretty mad. <laughs> Imagine it'll still have value because it's a, like you said, like a, a special printing of a card, but no one wants Contagion Class. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like 98, 97% of these are just home runs. Yeah. They're definitely. just great. So, like, having a few weird misses is kind of fine. Yeah. And, like, again, I, I think the weird misses, there's always, like, there's always some specific deck that wants to play them as well. And, like, like they're not bad cards, they're just weird choices and they're just not the cards you would expect or like they're not the cards that see a lot of play but I, I certainly don't think they're bad cards at all and they, they could have easily no. they could have easily put bad cards in the slot yeah we got good we got good ones it's many good ones yeah I can't wait to open a box of this I think it's going to be a lot of fun a lot yeah, of fun yeah I look forward to not opening any of it and I mean we don't know but um, there seems to be a lot of worries about Distribution and stuff at the moment and uh, availability. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of stores not not pre-selling them because they just don't know <laughs> whether, whether we're going to get any uh, any product or how much we're going to get or when we're going to get it. Don't you just love it when your country does a Brexit in the middle of a pandemic? Um, no, no, I do not. Uh, but aside from that, <laughs> it's it's a it's a good it's a very good set with uh, very good reprints. Yeah. And I'm uh, I'm excited to see these cards in person. I think I've seen the Lotus Bloom promo. Yeah, uh, it looks pretty cool. So I'm assuming they all look like that. Quite Pringly, allegedly. Uh, we've not opened ours yet, so we don't know. Cool. They're yeah, still, still in the sealable pack. But I've seen quite a few p- pictures of people posting their their sealed packs, and they're just they're just curled. <laughs> it's so so bad. Wow. But I guess the, the flip side is I've seen Gavin Verhey open a foil Chalice of the Void and that looked really nice. And the foils have got the, the old style foil in as well where it's just like the like the border. Just the border. Yeah. yeah. It's and, really, the, and the really shooting nice. style. Yeah. Oh, I do really want a foil Paducah Bog now I'm looking at it. Yeah. yeah it's uh, a really nice and old border. That's it. I guess somebody who isn't into foils at all like I, I think some of these some of these foil artifacts with the shooting star are going to look incredible. Like foil Panharmonicon with the shooting star be great that's probably going to be worth a load of money i i love yeah. that they, they use the like the first art for the solemn simulacrum as well yeah i think they've tried to do that where where possible yeah like the original original art um as yeah well as i guess just mortify's got some funky art going on yeah mortify's got the original guild packed yeah art. um and oh, trigon predator's got a reprint art for some reason um, and stuff like that, but yeah, generally it's 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 the, the the nice old art that we all like. Now, before we move on from Tosper, I do want to briefly talk about the the rare mythic thing. Yeah, go for it. Because Tosper didn't have mythics. Nope, mythics didn't exist yet. Nope. And being that this is a supplemental set printed in the year twenty twenty, we have to have mythics. Apparently, I don't know why we couldn't have just done rares. I don't think anyone would have missed the mythics. And you make your mythics like the. The, the, the old border cards, yeah, like, yeah. that's fine. So the mythics in this set are Tarmogoyf, fine. Yep, fine. Damnation, fine. fine. Yeah, I, I don't like it, but I if understand you have to it. something. Yeah. yeah Especially if you, take, if you take like limited in, into consideration as well, I guess, at a push, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, so those are my mythics you'll be happy to open. Then we have Ancestral Vision. Which is a mythic feeling card, but it's not worth a lot of money anymore. Which is kind of what you want from a mythic. That's yeah. like the underlying, the unspoken rule, right? That you want your mythic to be worth something. Yeah. Again, um, I think that's another one where, like, I get it. I don't like it, but I understand it. Yeah, because all of the suspend cards are mythic. So you also have Wheel of Fate, Living End, f- fine. Yeah. Restore balance. Uh, banned in every format. Hypergenesis. <laughs> It'd be really mad if you open a, you know, you. You can afford to buy a couple of packs of of Times Square Remastered because it's you know it's an expensive set, yeah. and you open a Hypergenesis as your mythic. Yeah, uh, it could have been like a Pact Negation at rare, or it could have been a Tarmogoyf. 
But no, it was a hypergenesis. Or it could be a Krovax Ascendant hero. One of the bulkiest of bulk rares. Yeah. A six mana four four. <laughs> um a Teferi Mage was off here. Or an Acroma Angel of Fury. <laughs> Do you like bulk mythics? Yeah. <laughs> like five out of these ten mythics are bulk mythics? Yeah, I I think so definitely. Which I is think absurd. I think like in the cases of of like Krovax, Teferi, and Acroma. I get it for like I don't know like I want to I want to say that like I understand it for like limited purposes but even if they were rare like you you're rarely going to see them show up enough to to affect the the limited format it just it just sucks like I just wish like there were no mythics because Time Spiral had no mythics mm-hmm. and if you're going to charge like premium for for being a premium product then. I don't know. Make some of the make some of the value a little easier to get. Well, that's why I assume that most of the value is going to be concentrated in the the old border cards. Yeah, definitely. Because if you're paying, what is it going to be nine pounds for a pack or something? Yeah. So it's Modern Horizons presses, um, and you open one of those bad mythics, then the old border cards are going to be worth the money. Yeah, I which mean, I, I guess I guess is, is kind of the flip side, or I guess the the defense of those cards being a mythic as as well. Really, it's like, yeah, it sucks. I've opened a hypergenesis, but I also opened a, a ponder or whatever or a um or a yorgmoth or any anything thoughtsies yeah you have the chance to also open something good i mean you also do have sliver legion acromus memorial and gauntlet of power and vesuver and gemstone caverns which i guess make up for it a bit yeah because those are actually valuable yeah the cards you want. and like, there are rares that are still worth money like you've got urborg and teleria west and dried armor. <laughs> yeah, it feels very, very strange seeing like, like a Vesuvia mythic. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I get it, it because sense, it, because right? it's a, yeah, I, I get it because it's an expensive card, definitely. But like, mm-hmm. in terms of functionality of the card, seeing that like, mythic is just yeah, a bizarre one, a really bizarre one. Well, yeah, considering it sees playing exactly two decks across all formats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little bit of an odd one, but it's cool. Like, I I, I think the set overall is very very good. Yep. Looks like the the value is going to be there in the in the old border cards. Yeah, definitely. And I guess we get to crush the price on Tarmogoyf again. So that's what we all want, right? Yeah, yeah. If I somebody who just bought a playset like a Fortnite to go, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you bought a future site version, right? Yeah, if I did, I did purchased a, a future site, a playset, a future site Tarmogoyf for like what I, I think, even with this reprint, will still be a good price. Um, you know, yeah. it, it was reprinted with the future site art, but it wasn't the the old border at all, and that's that's totally fine. And people lost their minds about that as well. Yeah, that's seeing <laughs> the original art of Tarmogoyf from the new border as if it mattered. Yeah, people seem to lose their minds about the Tarmogoyf art on the box as well being different from the the art on Tarmogoyf. Well, it's still the but same. Then, it's the same as um, the Ultimate, Ultimate Masters. Masters. Had dig through yeah. time with like new dig through time art on the box, and then the same one in the. On the inside, like sometimes they just use, they use different art on the product than what's on the cards. And sometimes Magic players just find need to find something to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you know me complaining about hypergenesis is just a, a symptom of that. Like I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think there's anything really wrong with the product at all. I think this product we we identified last week why it was such a home run and who it appealed to and and why we're so excited about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think just picking holes in it like that is kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I, I fully fully agree. Fully agree. I think this is. It it almost feels kind of like a like a love letter to Magic's past, and uh, I just love it. Everything everything about it, like even even with all the weird upshifts and stuff, because you know I, I'm I'm perfectly happy happy to settle to settle for that. Like, yeah, there's a chance that I open a Dud Mythic, but in the same pack there could also be uh, an old border Panharmonicon, an old border Chalice of the Void, like whatever. I think I think it's fine. It's good having that, I guess that, not quite insurance, but like just just knowing that yeah, if you get a dud mythic, it's not all over in your your premium booster, which is is considerably better than some things like some sets have been in the past. Like if you look back at like iconic masters and stuff, like Masters Twenty Five exactly stuff like that, yeah, like it would suck like opening up that tree, that stupid tree, and then just just like essentially having just torn your money up. Whereas like at least this like. 
yeah, you open a hypergenesis, but like literally just any of the old border cards, you're gonna be, you're gonna be saving some of that some of that sweet value, aren't you? Maybe not contagion class for Rider Strong. Yeah, but maybe not. But yeah, <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably gonna be worth more than the hypergenesis is. Yeah, because Cybergenesis is already worth nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still a fan of the set. I think all the all the old border cards are a home run. I think they've done a great job. Yeah, let's just let's just hope we get to play it. It's the, uh, <laughs> it's the key, uh, isn't it? Um, sure, we might do. I mean, if you just sit on a box, you'll be able to. But yeah. I don't think we'll be able to play this when it's meant to be played yeah that's it like i i, I want oh yeah we're definitely not well like we're not going to be playing this at release but i definitely want to get a box to, to draft in the future but i also do just want to open a box as well because i think that's going to be a, a fantastic experience yeah should we move on to something that we don't like as much yeah go for it or at least i, I think, don't like as much yeah I, th- I think we've got an inv- interesting conversation i think we had <laughs> this week so one of my favorite things about Magic the Gathering is the community, right? Yeah. And therefore you'd assume that I'd, I'd enjoy community-driven and community-designed formats. Yeah, I mean, you are known for, for loving the Magic community and Magic players, of course. <laughs> I'm famous for loving Magic players. Um, so, do you want to talk about pre-modern? Yeah, we can do. Should we, we can do. Should we should we talk about it? Should we get it out in the open? On the yeah. Table? So the I guess the the most recent sort of hype format uh, currently is is premodern, which premodern is a it's a community created constructed format. Uh, it uses quite a few old sets. Uh, the legal sets run from fourth edition to Scourge. Uh, there's quite a few sort of old sets, and they, they've got a they've got a, a good band list, and it's. It's similar to old school in a way, which is a format we, we've talked about on here before. And it, old school is a format that I I love and have played a decent amount of. And I I really like community formats. I really like them being a thing. But it's not always. It, they're not always perfect, right? There are a lot of things about community-driven formats, community-created formats. Formats that only exist because a group of people got together and decided they wanted to play them. They wanted to play Magic that way. Which is great, like, people deciding how they want to play Magic is a, is a great thing and, and doing whatever you want. But with every community-created format, they've all died. They've all died, with the exception of Old School, which I'll get onto. But they've all died. Tiny Leaders, remember that? Yeah. That lasted roughly three weeks? Yeah, pretty much. I, um, I remember I remember hosting one F and M for Friday, one tiny leaders yep. F and M, and we had like maybe fifteen sixteen people show up to play it. So then when it came on yeah. to do rotation for the next month, I ran a like literally a month later I ran another tiny leaders F and M, and two people showed up. One of them was me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I played one. It was at Monday Night Magic at that point, and I played one twenty person event, and then. The person who came top of the standings was playing a Geistus and Traff deck, obviously. Yeah. And it was not very fun. <laughs> so that died. Um what was the what was the commander variant? We could play planeswalkers. Uh ooh, Oathbreaker. Oathbreaker, yeah. Oathbreaker. That's dead. Do we talk about that? Yeah, I don't even know if we talked about it on here. I think No, it's, I think it's I was I was very, very much in my uh, commander is is crap phase at that point stuck in my ways that way and I yeah I, yeah, I again like I going into this, this conversation like I, I don't really want to you know yuck anybody's yum I think community formats no, are, are fantastic yeah, yeah. and yeah 100% like you should like the magic cards are game, piece, game pieces and nobody should be telling you how to you know how to play with them like if you find a way to play with them that makes you happy 100% do it go for it uh but yeah, I think that's just that's taking community formats right at the, sort of the base level. But that was Tiny Leaders, yeah. then Oathbreaker, and we've had several others. Um, and I mean, I guess we can kind of add Brawl into this as an example of this. What, what yeah. happens, like the life cycle of a format, yeah. is that it gets just invented and uh, <laughs> it doesn't work and no one plays it. Yep. But there was a big hype about it initially, so that's happened with Brawl. Obviously that's not a community format, but 
it's a format that people tried to make happen and it just didn't and well, yeah it can't be a community format if there's no community yeah exactly and then and you win, okay. win, a, win a GP championship by default because you're the only person yeah. who at the event <laughs> yeah exactly like and I think that was that was a problem I suppose it was different it was like the, the antithesis of a community format yeah. it's a format that literally no one wanted yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody asked for this like, yeah. yeah exactly um, and then okay, oh, I guess we can kind of tie Pioneer into that which I think extenuating circumstances for that format and maybe you know once sans pandemic we'll uh, we'll see that format Research. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think Pioneer has its own issues, but I think I think Frontier is, is a fair format to talk about in this space. Um, which I yeah. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about Frontier. It was a format that I loved. Uh, I I was doing surprisingly well at curating quite a, a quite nice little local community of Frontier Frontier players. Um, like at, at the time when I was like running Frontier events regularly. We were getting more people turn up to play Frontier than we were for like Standard and Modern at the time, and this was like, mm-hmm. like you know, twenty sixteen, maybe twenty seventeen. Yeah, um, but it crumbled and died. Still, it did. Yeah, I've got a lot of a lot of feelings about why, but I guess I don't know. I could probably do a whole episode on Frontier to be honest. Maybe I will. I think I will. I think I'm. Yeah, I think we that should. I, I want to write some notes and stuff because. I've got a lot of things to say about Frontier and about about influence and and one I specific guess. person who led to the downfall of that format. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I, I think a lot of that though those formats dying came from lack of sanctionability, right? Like lack of yeah, very support much so. from from Wizards of the Coast, and that has a lot to do with formats. And I guess we we have to talk about old school being the one community driven format that has stuck around yeah but i think the difference there is it's and i i know you're an ex- exception and there are many exceptions to, to this rule but it's a, a bunch of old curmudgeons who like to get together and talk about how crap modern magic is and they want to play with their expensive old cards is essentially what old school has boiled down to at this point and it's about from what i've seen and personal experience i've had flexing the old cards you own and I, again i know that you have first-time person experience that, that disagrees with that and obviously you're a fan of the format yourself yeah it's, it's a it's a format generally. it's a format that is has been sort of built around and i guess i guess it, it was it was started as kind of a response to oh we don't like how magic is now but we've got all of these old cards we're a group of like six to eight people or whatever like we've got all of these old cards we're, we're just going to play with the old cards we're not interested in the new stuff and then mm-hmm. over the years and years that's expanded into this this, this massive i guess same like massive way of playing the game but the, there are multi-formats and like multi-rule sets within old school itself I, I think old school is probably just the the term that should be used for the card wheel really but it's it's a format that's very much driven by by nostalgia and I think that's why the vast majority of people who play it are people that still have the cards from back in the day. They are older. They they liked magic how how it used to be. They sort of reject the, the modern magic and are not interested in playing the modern stuff at all. I think I'm definitely definitely one of the exceptions to that because I I don't have nostalgia for, the, for this because I did I you know. Could barely speak in 1993, let alone play magic. Like, <laughs> and look at you now. Yeah, <laughs> able to exactly. kind of string a sentence together. I can, I can barely speak, let alone play magic. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so uh, yeah, yeah it, it's very much a, a format that has is driven on on nostalgia and the look and the feel feel of the old and the traditional and it's you know, it's it it could be it's about as far removed from modern magic as, as you get as possible and that tends to to attract the type of people that you know have nostalgia for it and played back then and and you know do want to play with these old cards and yeah you're right i think f- for some people definitely there is there is definitely a certain aspect of oh look at these you know these old expensive things that i that i have i'm going to flex with them i don't think it's the case for everybody but there, there is definitely an element of that yeah but um, I think I think because, so I I think for, for several reasons that that format lasts and is is so popular is is because it's just a good format, like it's magic, it's magic as Garfield intended for want of a better term really like, it's 
it, it uses the card pool from Magic in 1993 and 1994, which, if it wasn't good, and it wasn't a good game, and it wasn't a good format, then we wouldn't be sat here in 2021 talking about Magic now. Like, it just wouldn't be a thing, it wouldn't have survived. So I think, because there's a, there's a strong community that all have this shared nostalgia, and the gameplay and mechanics of the cards are so good, I think that, that, that that's why the format continues to, to well, thrive as much as a, a format where like fifty thousand dollar decks can thrive. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I just I just have a problem with a lot of people who who enjoy that community. Yeah, because they're just bit and you know as much as I love to complain and issue things and complain about new things that happen in Magic, like I still love the game and love a lot of decisions they make. And like we said, like the Time Spiral, I'm a big fan of Time Spiral Remastered and the decisions they've made there, and I I still for some reason have faith in Watsy to produce a good game and I'm, I'm kind of at odds with those people who re- who just want to vehemently reject yeah. <laughs> new new magic and, and, and what was the coast of doing now and I, and I find it I, like I said they're just curmudgeons who I just think are kind of annoying and oh, I don't want to play magic like that I don't want to play with, with Oko and, and all these things and I'm like okay well don't like I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I just don't care about that kind of thing. And the problem with that format now is that it has kind of, I guess, exploded is probably the wrong term, but it's gotten a reasonable amount of traction. And because of that, the cards are worth money. Yeah, and is that's that's one of the problems. And I think there is there is a, a definitely a level of gatekeeping to that format. Where for the, for a long time it was just you could only play with original printings of cards. You couldn't play, you couldn't even play with revised. Yeah, this is it. So you've got obviously you have a, a few different formats across. I guess a few different sort of rule sets and, and card legalities across different formats. And the way I guess really like the way the whole the whole format came about was a small group of people would meet up regularly in in a pub in Sweden and play games using the old cards. That's cool, that's fine. Like, the cards weren't... Yeah, some of them were quite expensive, but the cards weren't, like, ridiculously expensive like they are nowadays. And it wasn't as much of an issue now, but, like you said, as as that format's exploded and time's gone on, because the cards are... Because the card pool is so restricted and all of these cards are reserveless cards and you can only use certain printings because that's, that's, that's the cards that they had when the format started and they hadn't changed the rule set and didn't see... You know, they didn't need to. They didn't want to. Uh, that's what you you get a lot of expensive cars these days because of that. There are definitely, definitely some like more accessible versions of the format. Like I know Channel Fireball have run like old school side events at, at Magic Fests where you can use like any printing of that card. So you could use like your your starter deck, Shaven Dragon, if that's something that you want to do. Uh, you know, whatever you can do, whatever. But that that kind of goes against the spirit of the format which is which is the the whole i guess one of the reasons why that format has survived and thrived is because it has this this yes there's the game but also there's there's the spirit of of you know reliving that nostalgia and playing with the old cards and everything has to be old and original and yeah i i think i'm very much in the minority when it comes to just being like it, it doesn't have to just be about the nostalgia. Like you can't just play with, with with whatever as long as the card's named the same. That's fine. Yeah, it just it just comes across to a lot of people as, as an elitist format, and I think that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I of... from my experiences as well, I would say that uh, the majority would. I, I think it would be fair to argue that. And now we, if we move on to to pre-modern. Yes. So pre-modern <laughs> is is an off. Yeah, it, it pre-modern is an offshoot from from old school, um, and it was created by uh, created by a, a community who were playing old school at the time. They, they didn't really enjoy that old school was a was a quote unquote sold format, um, and yeah, so it was people who were already playing ninety three, ninety four Swedish rules magic, uh, but yeah, they, they didn't like that it was a sold format because the deck is arguably the best deck and. They wanted a, a bigger card pool, a wider card pool, and again, there was that big nostalgia factor of, well, these were the, the fun cards that I liked to play back when, when, when I was was young and playing Magic. So let's play with all of these cards again. I think saw how successful a community-driven format like Old School could be, and 
a very similar things happened over time and now we're kind of seeing the peak of, of pre-modern like we did with old school a couple of years ago yeah but unfortunately a lot of the the same issues are prevalent with this format as they as they are with old school yeah and it's still and you know I, I believe that these people had good intentions they wanted to create a community format they enjoyed playing and had nostalgia for and stuff but it's just it's it's the same level of unfortunately elitism and, and, and gatekeeping whether that's you know intentional or not because most of the cards that are playable and are good are reservist cards or cards that are in short supply that haven't been reprinted and again you can you can I believe play with gold border cards you can play with um, any printing of a card as long as it you know was was legal in the, in the yeah time that's frame it. That it again like like rule set varies depending on where you are mm-hmm. and you're depending on Torben organizer or whatever but yeah, there there are definitely some people arguing for more accessibility in the format, especially currently. Yeah, but you you see deck lists and stuff, and it's just a bunch of reservist cards, and it has led to a huge price spike in cards that cards that otherwise weren't moving. Of course, like most reservist cards are going up currently, and there are buyouts on any reservist cards, even if they're literally awful awful cards that no one would ever play in any format, in, like ever. Um, but, and, and those cards are moving, but we're seeing cards that have had no home, don't really see play anywhere, that now, because they do have a home in, in pre-modern, are now just spiking in price again, and, and reducing the accessibility to that format. And we've seen, I mean, the same is true for Legacy, but at least with Legacy, the only old cards you really need that are reservist of the lands. Yeah, kind of, and we've been through that. You can you can obviously play without without those, but you know, <laughs> I guess with with fire de- design philosophy, most of the cards that see play in, in Legacy are new cards. Yeah. So once you have the lands, you can kind of do what you want. Um, but with pre modern, like most of the staples are <laughs> are reserve list. You're seeing like the, the price of Khan Silver Golden, which yeah, I guess is primed I, for a spike because it's reserve list. But yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that most of the staples are reserve list. I'd say there's there's one or two decks that use play sets of reserveless cards but I I, I don't think I, I don't think I, I would argue that most of the, the staples are reserveless because like sure. definitely like you can definitely play good decks that that don't have reserveless cards like the four color control deck doesn't play any reserveless cards as far as I'm aware uh, I don't think counter rebels does either um, obviously like dead guy ale doesn't play any reserveless cards at all it is it's reasonably cheap sure yeah, I, I but, think. But then you've you've got stuff like like you're right, like if you're talking about Khan, then there's the like the mud deck that plays like four copies of Khan, Silver Golem, uh, then also plays four copies of Metal Worker, four copies of Tangle Wire, uh, like yeah, plays four City of Traitors as well. Like you need if you want to play this deck, you want to play it competitively, you need four copies of those cards. I think especially if you look at stuff like City of Traitors. Uh, like the gold border version of those cards, I, I really wouldn't be surprised at all to see this sort of being one of the reasons why the gold border versions have started to get very expensive now too. Yeah, this is this is my point. I guess yeah, I it's hyperbole to say that most uh, most most of the uh, cards are reserve list that, that see play, but it is decks like that. Like the the cards in that deck that aren't reserve list are Mindstone, Urza's Warble, and Thran Dynamo. I'm pretty sure. I think we sure yeah. everything else in that deck is on is on the reserve list. And it, it well, wastelands and mistress factories and stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, again, hyperbole. It's good podcasting. <laughs> I it, and this is the thing that the cynic in me thinks that this is just a way to just artificially inflate the prices of cards that otherwise wouldn't have been inflated. Like cards, like I say, that didn't really have a home, that weren't seeing play in any constructor format, weren't really commander cards, and were just reservist. And we're seeing a huge boom in the reservist currently. Still ongoing, um, and this is a way to just just increase the price of those cards. Like card market has just been bought out of any copies of Council of Golden and gold border copies of City of Traders and stuff. Yeah, and, and these cards are just going completely berserk, and it's because of the existence of this format. And we we saw the same thing happen with old school eventually, and the, the prices of cards are just being artificially inflated by this format that doesn't really. There isn't a thing, and it also yeah. means that because of this, Wizards won't sanction it. It will never be a proper format. Because the thing with old school is it like it has this exclusivity where Wizards were aware of it, and and there would be you know tournament organizers would would put events on for it, 
Um, and it was just like, it was the thing the weird old guys did, right? Because <laughs> they happened to own Power 9 and, and the reservist cards and what have you. Um, and you're never going to get a proper pre-modern format just because the format is still inaccessible. And sure, you can play the the uh, the, the non-reservist decks and there are good, good decks that don't cost a lot of money. But that's the same thing about talking about Legacy where you're like, you can do this thing, but if you want to play the format quote-unquote correctly, you know, competitively then you you do have to have these cards yeah and i think that's a big problem for for a format where you can't really play properly unless you have access to at least some of these cards yeah uh, unless I, you ban reservist cards from the format i think that's going to be a problem going forward yeah which like you're not going to do when the format is based the format is based on nostalgia and playing magic like it used to be uh and when you can't reprint you know or you can't make more of of you can't suddenly you know, will into existence more of, of these cards that were printed at that time then yeah these these problems are going to happen I think so I, I don't think it's exactly fair to say that it's because of pre-modern we're seeing these prices mm-hmm. uh, I think I think it contributes a bit definitely like, especially if you're talking about like your gold border style stuff I wouldn't be surprised to see it having a, a major effect there or being sort of the main reason why we're seeing the gold border versions of some of the cards spike but I I think a lot of it is just sort of trickle down effects from what we're seeing with other reserveless cards and you're seeing you know more I guess more I guess cheaper reserveless cards uh, being bought up now that like the more expensive ones have had their their new sealants found and I think it's just it's more of that it's people it's 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 bad actors manipulating the market it's people moving their money into collectibles using collectibles as a as a as a financial asset because because they are like you see it across across everything these days like you know trading cards you're seeing it in magic you're seeing it in pokemon you're seeing it in in shoes you're seeing it in clothing you're seeing it in, in old video games and comic books and collectibles are are they're an asset. They're in, they're in, they are like an actual investment vehicle nowadays, and it seems to be at least the trend over the past twelve months has been that you know your money is is a lot safer or worth a lot more in collectibles than it is in in money. And we're seeing we're seeing returns and we're seeing gains on collectibles being considerably more than in traditional like investment vehicles. Like you could yeah you could stick your your money in an index fund and make like six percent a year or you could take that money and buy four hundred metal workers and then like the next day sell them for like double what you paid for them yeah so yeah. I, I think a lot of it is that i think a lot of it is, is runoff from that uh I, I don't think it's having a non-zero like i don't think it's having a zero effect like i fully fully would argue that it, it's the format becoming more popular and more people being aware of it and playing it and buying decks has a non-zero effect on it but I I, I I don't think it's quite fair to say that it's solely responsible or even majority responsible for the vast majority of these cards yeah I don't think there's like a you know hand wringing cabal dictating what formats become popular so that they can increase the prices of cards oh, but yeah. I think it's, a, it's certainly a happy coincidence and some card prices are being manipulated because they're being bought out. I mean, it's the same thing as a bunch of people discover pre-modern, want to play a deck with reservist cards in it, go, oh, I need to buy a playset of such and such card. They all go out and try and buy one. They go, oh, they're running left. Why is it so expensive? Yeah. It's because everyone's trying to clamber to get their copies of, of cards that don't really exist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that there aren't, there aren't plentiful copies of, which, which is a problem as well. But that also means that the people that have them, their investment goes up. And I, I just think I don't understand why you would choose to play this format unless you know maybe you do have really have nostalgia from playing when fourth edition and through to scourge were legal and you really want to play those cards but i don't i don't think i personally get it like why is this format any better than something like legacy you know yeah 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 definitely i i think i think it's it so the format itself is good so i i haven't played the format um myself uh, because the I don't really find like none of the decks really interest me enough to buy into it, but there are I like that card pool. I think that card pool is quite attractive. But all of the cards that I would want to play are banned, and probably like rightfully so. Like uh, 
I think it, like if I'm gonna play with cards from that time, like I definitely want to be playing with like Necropotence. I want to be playing with Time Spiral. I want to be playing with Mind Twist, Mind's Desire, York Moth's Will, Telerian Academy. All of these just broken cards that are all banned in the format. These are the cards that I definitely want to be playing with, uh, but they're not legal, and that that's that's absolutely the correct thing to do. So that's 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 one reason why I haven't really gotten involved with the format. But I think the format itself looks good because it's because it's wide open, and I think it had that thing for like there was a good there was a good amount of time like when the the hype sort of really started rolling on pre modern again because. It definitely it had a bit of an explosion like a couple of years ago when I believe Eternal Eternal Weekend in America ran pre modern side events. And I think Eternal Central was doing like coverage on, on pre modern events. So you found like a lot more people who were in old school were getting into the format and like Randy Bueller was talking about pre modern and playing pre modern and um, I think where you saw a bit of a, a bit of a jump in, in players then but over the past, I guess, couple of months, really, you, you've seen like a lot of people seem to be getting into it, and it's become exponentially popular. Uh, again, like thanks to thanks to like some of the things that we're, we're seeing, like in terms of like commander cards and stuff as well. I think people are are stuck at home; they want to try new things. They're playing web, webcam magic, and there's quite a lot of webcam pre-modern going on, and there's a pre-modern Discord, and it's it's one of those things where I think it's it. There was there was a definitely a period of time just as it was sort of exploding and kicking off again, where it was fairly affordable to get into the format with like a reasonable deck, because the format itself is is quite wide open. Like there's there's a good say like twenty decks probably that you could just pick one of, get reasonably good at it, and and, and stand a good chance of doing well at a tournament. And for the longest time, a lot of those decks were like you could pick up the deck for like 30 quid 50 quid obviously these aren't the ones running reserveless cards but they were definitely com con contenders but as more people see that and more people jump into it the price of those cards start to go up and up like you say it's more people scrambling to buy play sets of things and yeah I, I think like when you do have have you know big name magic players as well are, are talking about the formats and uh, was Menguchi I think posted a, a, a deck list saying he was getting into pre-modern like I think when you, you mm -hmm. see stuff like that that's obviously going to have a have a have an influence on their community and their followers, and they're going to check it out too. So, I think we are in this this strange place where there is a real demand for these cards. The demand exceeds the the supply like reasonably, but also there are definite bad actors working in that space. Whether or not they were, you know, aware of pre modern or they were just, you know, turning their their cryptocurrency gains into reserveless cards, I don't know. Don't think where, I don't think the data is ever going to be good enough because of the time we're in to really sort of figure out what's going on exactly with a lot of the prices of the cards. Uh, but I think I think that the biggest problem is just the the demand outweighs the supply, and you can't just magically you know have more of these cards appear because they weren't printed. Yeah, and I I feel a similar fate is going to hit it as hit old school, where. Yeah. The, the format will become solved at a certain point. If you have a finite set of cards that are legal, it's going to get solved at a certain point, right? Yeah, yeah, quite quite probably. So I, I think the I think the the, the ban list for pre modern is is correct. Like they've uh, they quite they've got quite a quite a good ban list, and it's obviously it's a community driven ban list, and they do have lots of conversations about it. So like you can go on the pre modern uh, like website, and there's there's a blog and there's there's links to all of the social stuff and you can see people in the Discord as well talking about the formats and I think pre-modern is is considerably far more open than than old school is definitely like old school there is clearly like the deck is the best deck and then yeah there's maybe one or two decks and compete with it but anything else you you're just not going to win a tournament but I I think in terms of 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 limited of magic, I guess magic formats of limited card pools. I think pre-modern is probably the most wide open. Yeah, I think at a certain point it's just going to get it's just going to get solved, unfortunately. Possibly, yeah. I'm yeah, just, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's the way it is currently, at least, seems to be in in that sweet spot where 
there is no there is no best deck mm-hmm. and you kind of just have to you have to play you have to play the meta game I think to and, and get a bit lucky which I, I think is good I think I think the format is is in a good place but I don't know I don't know if the format will be solved or if you know if the if the format will be priced out of new players ever entering it I don't know which one will come first and I, I suspect it's probably the latter. Yeah, I, I would assume so. There's only so much growth that it can that it can have, and yeah, you're. Right, I definitely definitely agree. Like this, like it'll never be a sanctioned format. Like you might get, you might get. If if it does, if the popularity does keep up, then yeah, you might get. Uh, you know, side effect side events run by independent tos at magic fests in in you know in a hotel after the main event or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I, again, I, th- I think you might see a thing where, because the prices of the, of the cards are getting inflated ridiculously, you'll see players that are bought into the format just just sell off and stay away from the format because everyone's got a line to sell out at some point. And if you bought in when some of these cards were considerably cheaper and now can can sell them for considerably more, especially given the current global situation, you're probably going to sell them out, and then you won't be able to afford to buy into the new buy into the format again yeah so i i think like like every format with a, with a limited and restricted card pool like it is it it, it only has has longevity for, for so long yeah and uh, yeah and that's, uh, that's kind of my my problem with it i guess that's a problem but you know what i mean yeah it's just uh it seems a weird one to have just suddenly exploded, and I, I think it, it, all the the same problems of previous community formats are going to befall it fairly soon. I mean, I kind of hope it doesn't. I hope there's like the, an option, but like we're going to see the same things happen to 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 this as as, as you know happened to Tiny Leaders and Earthbreaker, <laughs> where they just fall off a cliff eventually. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. I guess the. Yeah, I guess the the upside is these these reserveless cards won't really lose their value. So at least the people who sell out of these formats will be able to get a get a good price for the cards, as opposed to people that you know paid money for a tiny leader's deck that was that was expensive for like a week or whatever. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe I'll build a deck and I'll love it, but I I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's that's the main reason why I haven't gotten into it myself. Um, despite loving a lot of cards from that era. All of the cards that I love from that era are not legal in the format, so I've I've certainly stayed away. But mm-hmm. uh, the things I do to play a time spiral, Yorgmoth's bargain, Yorgmoth's will, tendrils of agony, mystical tutor, mind's desire deck. Did you do it vintage yeah. cube? Yeah, hell yeah, that's it's <laughs> <laughs> what I've been doing recently. Yeah. So yeah, I I, th- I think that's another thing to consider as well. Like when you look at look at some of the cards that have, have spiked in price like recently. And look at the cards on on the ban list, and you, you know it's the same cards. It's cards that are banned in in pre-modern. You've got Grim Monolith, Mana Vault, like Necropotence, Time Spiral, Talarian Academy, Vampiric Tutor, um, Show and Tell, Yorgmoth's Will, Yorgmoth's Bargain. Like a bunch of these cards have have seen an increase in price, mm. but they're not legal in pre-modern, so people aren't buying these to play pre-modern. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, there's my little round about I've got to be negative about something, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I've definitely. got to have a take, a hot take on something. Yeah, and I, I think I think a lot of your a lot of your feelings about the format are valid, definitely. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I do feel like it's certainly unfair to call it a scam. <laughs> <laughs> hey now, hey now. <laughs> I I I stand by my words. Sure, sure. I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> awesome, cool. So, was, was there anything else you wanted to hit on about pre-modern or anything else before we we, we go this week? Uh, no, I think that's about it, really. I'm cool. Good. good. In that case, then, let us know your thoughts about pre-modern. Do you play? Do you have a deck? Are you playing mono red? Because it's it's the only affordable deck. Like, <laughs> uh, like when I bought mono black in old school, which is <laughs> is now also considerably more expensive. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Time Spiral Remastered? Come, come rant 
rant. Tell us why you think it's a bad idea that Teferi's been upshifted to a mythic. Come hit us on social media. On Twitter, we are at hfdcast, facebook.com slash hfdcast. If you've really enjoyed anything in this episode and you want to give back in a monetary value, you can hit us up on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash devastation, where tiers start from as little as $1 per month. That's roughly 20 to 25 cents per episode. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on iTunes and Stitcher. If you wanted to go to one of those platforms and leave us a comment or a rating or a review, it would really help us get the podcast out to more people. Yeah. And you can find me on my own personal social media. On Twitter, I'm at PeachGardenOaf. That's Oaf with an F. Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. I also stream on Twitch every Friday night. We do FNM. We do something pretty much different each week. Last week I played Vintage Cube and we had a lot of fun. Didn't do well, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, and then Saturdays and Sundays... I do sort of alternating weeks. We do a whole bunch of things. We do Among Us. We do um, Jackbox games. We we have lots of fun. Uh, probably doing Vintage Cube while it's still up though. I did three nights of Vintage Cube over the last weekend, and I, it's been fun. The streams have been great. So come check me out. It's twitch.tv slash peachgardenoaf. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter with all my hot takes about pre-modern at snail69. Nice. Thanks. Um... I'm currently just tweeting at FedEx about where my parcel is, honestly. <laughs> that's all that's happening on my Twitter at the moment. <laughs> nice. That's pretty much all we have time for this week. Once again, we're approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. <laughs>